It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jim, adolescence can be painful. Facebook hit 15 this month, and it's gone from being the most celebrated child or kid on the block to a testy teenager with a dark side. Yeah, and one who's maybe a bit of a bully in the bargain. You know, their reputation has really plummeted, especially in the last year, and surveys are showing that a lot of us are uncomfortable with the way Facebook knows so much about us and the way that it enables uh, certain communications in our society that may not be healthy. Getting off Facebook. Our guest is Wade Roush. Any company that has a third of the population of the earth as its product is too big. And so we need to think about ways to bring them back within the legal and constitutional framework that we've built to control the private sector. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? No other company has had a more profound impact on how we communicate with each other. At least not since the invention of the written word or the telephone. <laughs> yeah, but there were no companies then. <laughs> uh, despite all of the bad things we've heard about it, two-thirds of American adults are on Facebook. Yeah, and that doesn't include you, Jim. <laughs> I'm you're, a you're, rebel. You're one, of the, you're one of the few people I know who's never had a Facebook I've never, account. I've never been comfortable with it from the get-go. And, you know, and this is speaking as a technology writer, I wanted to keep my private life private. I just didn't trust them. Our guest today is science and technology journalist Wade Rausch, the host of Soonish, which is a podcast, and it's a good one, about technology and the future. Wade joins us via Skype from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thanks for being on. How did we fix it? Hey, Jim. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me on. So, you're in the process of getting off Facebook. You call it a process. Um, why are you troubled by this kind of social media and what it knows about us? I've been on Facebook for 12 years, and uh, it's been a process of my own to come around to this point of view that Facebook is a doomsday machine. It's destroying our democracy. It's destroying many democracies. And as citizens, as consumers, as voters, I think we still hold the power to decide which technologies we're going to use and which ones we're not. That's kind of the whole theme of my podcast. And uh, so one of the most fundamental decisions I think we can make is whether we're going to use social media services like Facebook 
And uh, if it turns out that they're um, not earning our trust and they're, in fact, abusing their trust, I think we always have the right to uh, take our business elsewhere. Clearly, you think Facebook is bad for democracy, and yet I would argue the results are somewhat more mixed. For instance, that um, Barack Obama's campaign and indeed Trump's campaign were helped by Facebook, and so were groups like Black Lives Matter and the Women's March and their organization. So groups and, and campaigns from different sides of the political spectrum have used Facebook to leverage their message. Yeah, that's all true. I, I wouldn't argue with any of that. I mean, I think Facebook is part of the internet. And uh, overall, the internet has been an amazing advance for, for civilization. It's a, it's a thing that has created unprecedented opportunities for knowledge sharing and community building. But Facebook is a special case, I think, of a place that Facebook is part of the internet. It is not the internet. And uh, I think that Part of the problem is that Facebook wants us to think it is the internet, and and sort of by default, it it is the internet more or less in a lot of developing countries where Facebook's internet.org project has been particularly successful. Um, but here in the U.S. and in other developed countries, we do have a huge choice of places to go for news and community and organizing and uh, you know politics. And when it turns out that one of them is basically built to amplify polarizing and divisive messages. I think that's when you have to start asking questions about whether it's the right platform for all of this activity. So you're saying that Facebook is not the internet, uh, but pretends to be. Could you explain that a little more? I think Facebook would obviously like us to spend, you know, 100% of our internet time on Facebook, but their model is built around advertising. And so the more people see and the more people click on their ads, the more money they make. So yeah, they would love it if everybody just hung out on Facebook all the time. And that's how they engineer the newsfeed. That's how they engineer their mobile apps. And the internet.org program I mentioned before is a decade-long effort to make internet access available in developing countries. Uh, but by internet access, they really mean Facebook access. So first thing that people see when they get online through internet.org is Facebook, and it becomes kind of the default um, portal to the rest of the internet. Talk about Facebook's impact on countries such as Myanmar and the Philippines and, and even the Ukraine. Right. Well, there has been a lot of coverage in the last couple of years of the ways in which Facebook has become a platform for authoritarian overreach and for um, hate mongering. In the Philippines, for example, um, President Rodrigo Duterte, who is uh, sort of notoriously authoritarian, he has capitalized on the fact that basically two thirds of the population in the Philippines is on Facebook to amplify messages that smear his opponents. And there was a, a notorious case of a senator in 2016, Senator uh, Leila de Lima, who was a critic of Duterte, who became the victim of some, some faked stories. Um, she was shown in some alleged porn videos. wasn't really her. Duterte um, passed these along and massively amplified them. Um, it all kind of fed into his fake narrative that she was part of a drug trafficking ring, and, and she wound up in jail. And, and now something similar is going on with um, Maria Ressa, who is, 
She's a former CNN correspondent who founded a news site in the Philippines called Rappler. She's a vocal critic of Duterte, and she's also become the, the target of just a tidal wave of hate messages on Facebook, uh, most of them generated by uh, fake accounts that are thought to be tied back to Duterte's regime. So Facebook is almost unimaginably big. I mean, the company is worth something like half a trillion dollars, and it's bought up some other platforms that, that were competitors like Instagram and WhatsApp. Uh, you you said that it it's gearing towards a monopolistic position in a lot of other countries. Is it here? Is it a monopoly in the U.S.? Absolutely. They have a almost total lock on the idea of social media networking. And if you, you know, nobody would be stupid enough to try to build a competing social media company um, under these circumstances. Instagram is by far the largest photo sharing app, and Facebook is by far the largest social media and sharing ecosystem. So alongside Google and Amazon and arguably some other businesses like Uber, you know, they've reached this scale where we just accept them as sort of the default. And it also sort of exempts them from the kind of scrutiny that we used to bring to bear on, on big, powerful businesses like Standard Oil. We haven't trotted out the existing uh, but kind of creaky apparatus of antitrust regulation in a long time, and uh, maybe it's past due. Now, let's talk a little bit about the psychology of Facebook and, and social media in general. There's something in the way the algorithms are set up where they really, whether deliberately or not, are trying to make the site addictive, right? Yep. I, I think that that's an established, uh, let's see, how, am I, how do I want to say it? I, I'm counting on you guys to edit this. But um, my re- <laughs> we, we may or may not. It's all up to our producer, Miranda. <laughs> Way to put we the have enormous on. power, just like Facebook. <laughs> yeah, from everything I've read, Facebook is one of the companies that invented all of these techniques for getting people to stay engaged longer. And um, it's sort of like, in, in some ways, it's reminiscent of the technologies that Las Vegas pioneered for video slot machines and video poker. They, you know, the, in fact, the way the newsfeed kind of scrolls down the middle of your of your Facebook page is almost, in a way, sort of reminiscent of a slot machine, right? Uh, you have to keep going because, you know, there might be something cool just below the fold. And if you just keep scrolling or uh, if you just keep flicking with your finger, you might see something really awesome and you don't want to miss it. And on top of that, there's also, of course, the little validation that you get every time someone likes a post of yours or, or every time someone comments on a post of yours to you. Those likes have a profound psychological effect, don't they? Right. And or the lack of them. And, and speaking of, of teenagers, also a, an alarming number of teenagers have reported that they've been bullied online. And some of that has come or much of that has come through social media sites like Facebook. Right. Well, I mean, this isn't Facebook's fault. They didn't invent this problem. But it turns out that one property of the Internet is that it makes makes it easier for people to be anonymous. And it's a lot easier to get up and say things that are racist or hate centric or or bullying. I want to follow up on Jim's question about the addictive nature of Facebook, because you're in the process, Wade, of of getting off Facebook. How difficult is that in your experience? Yeah, it hasn't been very difficult for me. 
I wouldn't claim that I'm representative or typical. Once I decided I was going to get off Facebook, basically, I just left. I mean, I still have an account there because I'm in the process of reporting this episode of Soonish about Facebook and how we can uh, get off Facebook if indeed that's what we choose to do. So while I do that reporting, I'm still on Facebook. But since I uh, kind of announced that I was leaving back in November, I've probably been on it maybe four or five times just to see what's going on with that post and who's responding to it. And in fact, it's been kind of a relief to tell you the truth, guys. You know, um, if you don't have to, ch- if you don't have to check Facebook every day, that's one less thing that you feel like you have to do, and it's a little more breathing room and mental space in your life. So for me, it's actually been a positive thing so far. That said, I do think that. Facebook can be an addiction and that a lot of people are going to have hard time getting off the platform. And I don't want to minimize what that experience is going to be like for people. So uh, in the intro, Wade, I, I mentioned that I've never been on Facebook. I was kind of suspicious of the platform at, from the start. And I do feel like I miss out on some cool stuff that my friends are doing. They went on a great hike. They posted some pictures on Instagram. Um, and and so, you know, I'm I, I'm happy with the trade-off, but it is a trade-off. Are, are you worried that you're not going to see, you know, your friend's new baby pictures or, you know, hear about the cool band that your friends from college are in? What you're saying is that for a lot of people, Facebook is the most convenient by far way to keep up with their friends and family and their high school classmates and other people that, that they want to have in their lives. And by accident, by default... Um, we've let our other ways of communicating become a little more vestigial. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And uh, in our next segment, we're going to be talking about solutions, as we usually do later in the show. And, and among those, personal solutions, as well as maybe some policy ideas about Facebook. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So... Facebook says it's changed. Facebook says it's hired a lot of people to patrol uh, its site and to kick the hate mongers off and to uh, stop fake news. Is that true? What's the result? I haven't seen any data yet that would make me feel confident that they've solved that problem. I've kind of lost faith that they even understand the problem. I don't think they're capable of understanding it. And that's why I'm giving up on them. What is it they don't understand, Wade? Well, they don't want to admit to themselves that 
that what they've built is basically a machine intended to polarize us as as a society. Um, it's a machine to sell targeted advertising. So if that's their business model, um, I don't see how they can just tweak things around the edges and hire more people to screen out uh, fake ads. That's not going to solve the problem. They would have to switch their entire business model in order to reverse the dynamic where um, they're selling information about us. Okay, so we can't count on Facebook to fix itself. But let's talk about solutions. What can be done, but starting with the individual. Do you recommend just a clean break? What's the range of solutions? Well, I think there's an interesting range of solutions. I mean, my personal decision was I've had enough. I don't want to be part of this anymore. I'm so angry about it that leaving is going to be pretty easy. Um, But in the course of, you know, doing the reporting for this upcoming podcast episode, I've talked to a bunch of people and, um, you know, interestingly, um, people sort into a few different buckets and one of them, one of the buckets is the people have already left, right? And, uh, they've kind of solved this problem. Um, they've left once and for all, they haven't been tempted to come back and they seem pretty happy about it. There is another bucket of people who have left and then for one reason or another have come back and find it really hard to stay away, whether it's because they miss their friends or they feel they need community. You know, interesting, I didn't find anybody who was super happy about Facebook. Everyone else um, is either thinking about leaving or they're staying, but, you know, with zero enthusiasm. So (laughs) and I think all you can do is provide those folks with some more data to think with, some more examples, some more stories um, about how you disengage if that's what you want to do or how you use Facebook more wisely if that's what you decided to do. What, what about us as, as citizens? How do we demand change? I would think that there are many different viewpoints that that go across parties. For instance, the, the need for privacy. Um, that could be a conservative demand or the need for transparency. Yeah, I think that you're right. There's a potential here for a bipartisan across the aisle effort to analyze this problem, understand it, figure out how Facebook got so out of control and maybe design some smart regulation around it. We don't have to go all the way to antitrust, although I think that's also Uh, warranted in this case. Um, So yeah, if you feel like you have a way to connect with your representative or senator, sure, send them a message. Tell them what you'd like them to do about it. Uh, I guess I don't expect a lot of people to do that because it feels like on the sort of very long list of things to worry about right now, Facebook is not near the top. Um, But Europe seems to be ahead of us in this respect. You know, with the general data protection regulation going into effect last year, they're getting more careful about making sure that people understand the trade-offs involved when they sign up for a service like Facebook. They've been uh, imposing fines on Facebook for not making their business model clearer to people. Um, It'd be nice if that was happening here, but maybe what Europe's doing with the GDPR can kind of have um, some knock-on effects here in the U.S. Yeah, explain what the GDPR is. Yeah, the GDPR is a much stricter set of uh, pan-European regulations um, that that force uh, internet companies to be much more transparent about their privacy practices. Is there something that individual people should be doing, you know, in terms of, um, you know, everybody always says, well, check your settings and stuff. I think most people just 
they don't actually give it that much thought. If you if you're not an absolutist, you're not going to totally leave. Is there kind of a middle ground where you tighten up your settings? Is there a, a formula that you would recommend? Well, when it comes to Facebook, there isn't a lot you can do. You don't have the ability to tell Facebook to stop showing you targeted ads. That's just it's baked into their model, and you kind of agree to that when you when you click on that little agree button on the uh, license agreement when when you join. Right. Um, but you can do other things like you can set the um, location settings on your phone so that Facebook doesn't have access to your location data. You can choose not to use Facebook's video messaging or text messaging uh, apps. Um, you can decline to buy that horrifying portal device that they've been selling. Is a, <laughs> a video camera um, that kind of um, hoovers up everything about you and what you look like and what kind of clothes you wear and what kind of appliances you have and what kind of furniture you have. Finally, antitrust. Do you feel that Facebook has just got too big and ought to be broken up? Yeah, Facebook is too big and too powerful. They are an unregulated monopoly. We have precedent and we have the tools for breaking them up. At, the, at a minimum, I would think that Instagram and WhatsApp should be peeled away from Facebook and they shouldn't be allowed to share data or sell ads together. Any company that has a third of the population of the earth as its product is too big. And so we need to think about ways to bring them back within the legal and constitutional framework that we've built to control the private sector, to make sure that um, capital doesn't outrun uh, the Constitution. Wade Rausch. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been, a, it's been a fun debate. Thanks, guys. Wade Roush and our conversation is coming up. Two words I wanted to mention, Jim, before we get any further, and that's Zainab Tufetcha. Uh, she was a guest about a year ago on How Do We Fix It? And she told us about some of these things that at the time we were just becoming aware of, of how we are the product on Facebook. And she continues to be a really important voice for privacy protections and to understand the, the, the sheer power of these platforms and, and the way that algorithms, even if it's not intended by the company, the algorithms are geared to provoking the most intense feelings, which often means our darker sides. However, there are some good things about Facebook. It's, it's made it easier for people to have a voice. It's been easier for people to get in touch with friends and those who share the same hobby or passion. I, I remember the wonderful story about a, a friend of mine who is a, a scholar in ancient Greek, and she said, I don't know anybody where I live in my town that knows anything about this subject, but on Facebook... There's a whole group of people, and we talk all the time. Yeah, communication is a, a wonderful thing. But the same tools that allow you to reconnect with networks or that allows, say, the Women's March to organize almost overnight after the, the election of Donald Trump or the Black Lives Matter movement to spread so quickly, the same tools can also be used to organize a mob to go and, you know, lynch some, you know, Muslims in Myanmar or, or other kinds of, of really tangible effects in the real world. 
it's almost like when you automate something, you make it more powerful for both its good purposes, but also when something goes wrong. So let's get into the specifics of Wade's recommendations. The European-style privacy laws, I'm guardedly in favor of that. I think the more you can force transparency, let the individual consumer know what they've got. I, I, I think you can maybe even make that stronger. So, you know, they have to, you know, keep you constantly informed about who all their clients are and and where your data is going. That's not easy to do, but I think that is something that, that we should demand. Yeah, I, I'm in favor of breaking up Facebook, just the way that we broke up MaBell. So I you think, think there were a should... lot of really good things that came out of breaking up that monopoly, and I think that 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 controlling monopolies and looking at how we deal with monopolies uh, is, is is sensible policy. Will we always get it right? No, of course not. There will be mistakes, but I do think this is a, a real concern, just but the size of it. there's a big difference here. That was a monopoly created by the government. You know, the government said, we're going to have one, we're going to get, you guys operate the single phone system and charge whatever you want, pretty much. No, not quite, but... Um, it's very different when something that looks like a monopoly grows out of the marketplace. Remember in the 90s, everybody thought, well, Microsoft yeah. operating system, they have a monopoly on pretty much all personal computers. No, I, I've heard your argument about yeah. that, and it certainly makes, m- makes a good deal of sense. But I do think we need to have some kind of way of controlling the size of a huge, vast company like Facebook. I mean, I totally and, and agree we, it's too big. And we may even need limits on Amazon as well. I, I mean, I just think it needs to be looked at and considered. I'm not an antitrust expert, and I'm also suspicious of giving the government or central government, Washington, many more powers. But I right. do think this is something that, that, if, that if it's conducted in an intelligent way rather than simply waving around slogans is something that ought to be I, considered. I, I, I'm not I, – I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I think it's uh, – I think it's you know we should tread carefully in something that may turn out to be a temp. We may come up with a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Final thing, I I, I think consumers and and consumer groups should be you know adamant on the uh, on the question about you know what do we do about fighting hate speech. I do not want to see a role for government in that because it, all we would do would be to empower you know who's ever in power and. Um, uh, and to um, to drive certain voices off. As ugly and bad as it is, and I think it's terrible, some of the stuff that happens, I, I think that we don't want to empower a, a government censor over, uh, over that kind of communication. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our show is produced by Miranda Schaefer, who makes us sound better every week. And this is a production of Davies Content. Uh, we make digital audio and podcasts for companies and nonprofits. If you're interested in developing a podcast, please get in touch at daviescontent.com. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.